This is a Cincy fan talking with LP. You can catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy fan talking. You say it like it sounds, just leave off the G. If you have ideas for the show, you can reach me at Cincy underscore fan talk at yahoo.com. If you have any suggestions for the show, make sure you leave them there. Who knows? You might find yourself as part of the show. Any feedback would be definitely appreciated. And also, make sure you hit the link tree page that's on my Twitter. Make sure you click on that. You can find all the different ways to contact me there. Enjoy the show. What's up, what's up, what's going on, everybody in podcast land? Welcome to another episode of a Cincy fan talking with LP. And of course, this is LP. Appreciate you stopping past and listening for, I don't know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, however long this lasts. Won't take up too much of your time unless I really, really feel it. <laughs> but definitely appreciate you sticking and staying for a little bit. Um, as always, we jump into sport and non-sport topics. Um, like I always say, life is sports and sports is life. You know, one isn't necessarily the other, but it kind of is because it all just kind of weaves together seamlessly sometimes. So we, we're going to jump into some stuff today. <sighs> Got to talk about the Bengals. Got it. My neighbor, I told y'all about my neighbor before, um, had season tickets to the Bengals games for years and years. Dropped his season tickets last year because he was so upset. But still a true blue fan. We basically talk after every game. After every game, I I step outside for a little bit. He'll step outside for a little bit. We'll meet in the middle of the cold, a sack or whatever, <laughs> and we'll just chop it up and talk. So... As soon as I saw him, and as soon as he saw me, he said, oh, man, I'm like, oh, man, because we already know what it is. Um, the Bengals took a spill, 41-22. The game was not as bad as it looked, which made it so much more frustrating. So so I get up with him, and he like, man, I don't know what it is about these Bengals, man. It's like one minute, they up one minute. I'm like, I I think I got it. He like, let me know, LP. I'm like, they they so inconsistent. He's like, that's that's the word. That's the word. And I'm like, I told y'all this on the pod a couple of weeks ago. You got to expect this from the Bengals. Like, you look at the mistakes they make, the drop passes, the turnovers and messed up situations and clutch situations. Sometimes they come through. Sometimes they don't. The penalties at just knucklehead times. You're not looking at a bad team. Bad teams make these mistakes all of the time. The Bengals of a couple years ago, these mistakes were frequent. Now they're infrequent, but they're at some really messed up times. Like, think about you raising a kid. <laughs> like, just think about you raising raising your child. Once they hit a certain age, seven, eight, nine, something like that, you'll notice that they're doing stuff well, 
but they're not doing it consistently. They're like, make sure you don't leave the milk out. And they're like, okay, no problem, dad. I got you covered. You look up and the milk is out. What are you doing? Oh, I forgot. As they get older, they don't make these mistakes as much, but you're still going to see them because they're young. They're learning. They're figuring out what's right, what's wrong. These are the bingos in a nutshell. And and my neighbor, real funny dude, he, he, he just broke it down and he was like, we're going to really love this team in a couple years. But right now, you're banging your head up against the wall because it feels like you're raising a 16-year-old. <laughs> I'm like, that's the Bengals. I'm like, you hit the nail on the head. Those are the Cincinnati Bengals right now. It's like you're raising your 16-year-old kid, and they have these flashes of absolute brilliance. They'll come up to you and go like, hey, you know, I want to start a fundraising drive and stuff like that. Well, that's awesome. And then you look up the next minute, they wrecked the car. <laughs> Not like my kids have done that. So, <laughs> But... These are the Bengals. You're going to have these flashes of absolute brilliance, which is what we saw mid-second quarter to mid-third quarter. And it's going to be surrounded by these upsetting times of frustration, which was the first quarter, which was the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter. These are going to be our Bengals probably for this year. We're going to look at this team two or three years now and go like, man, this is the best team in the league. You can see it. You can you can just see the potential. But right now you're dealing with young players getting used to the moment. And if you look on the other side of the field at the Chargers, it was the exact same thing. I know the Chargers fans have to be frustrated with their team. I've seen them on the timeline, like just just talking reckless, the the Chargers. um official Twitter feed going ham with the savagery. You know, you get to say what you want when you win. It's whatever. But I've seen these same people, even during the game against the Bengals, talking like, oh, here we go. The Chargers are about to do some charging again. Here we go. Because they're dealing with the same thing. When you have these young teams that are so talented, they're young. They're going to screw up. You're going to see the struggle in these teams as they progress. And it's really up to the fans to be like, do you understand what you're looking at? Do you understand what you're watching? Because it's very easy for a Bengals fan to go like, man, they trash. They always mess up when you really need them. Man, I'm tired of this. Or you can take the logical approach, which is hard as a fan. I know <laughs> you can take the logical approach and go like, this is going to happen. These are going to be our bingles for the rest of this year. And what I'm hoping is that they can get it together towards the end of the year and string some wins together. Seven and five right now. Definitely in the running for the AFC North. Definitely in the running to lose the next couple of games and be out of the picture. So it'll be very important to see if the Bengals learn how to put everything together for a full 60 minutes because at some point you're not young anymore <laughs> uh, at my big age i can't make the same mistakes that i made when i was 21 20 22 23 i can't make those same mistakes because i really don't have an excuse 
to make those mistakes. I can't say, well, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know how this would affect somebody. Um, uh, this is information I never had before. These are not mistakes I can make. You can afford to make these mistakes in college. That's kind of what college is for. You can make those mistakes in high school. And as a athlete, as an athlete, these are mistakes. Then I wouldn't say that they're tolerable, but they're understood. Mixing, putting the ball on the ground, not tolerable. But at the same time, it's like, that's his first fumble that he lost since week one of last year. Mistakes are going to happen. Jamar Chase dropping a perfect touchdown pass. You just want to bang your head against the wall and go like, wow. But at the other, on the other hand, you kind of go like, he's a rookie. These mistakes are going to happen. You don't want them to happen. You're practicing so that they don't happen. But realistically, they are going to happen. And I, I saw more than a few people saying that, you know, if Jamar Chase would have caught that pass, we would have won the game. And if it wasn't for Joe Mixon's fumble, we wouldn't have won the game. I've been saying this since the beginning of this year. You can't base an entire game on one play. Because by doing that, you're saying the rest of the plays don't matter. Every play matters. All of them. They all go together like a little piece of a puzzle and they fit together. And that shows you who won or who lost. But my thing is this. There are going to be four or five plays in the game. And I sound like a broken record. I've noticed. <laughs> there are four or five plays in the game that define the entire game. Whoever makes the most plays out of those four or five will win the game. The Chargers made more plays than the Bengals. You can say Jamar Chase dropped the bottom with a change of complexion of the game. That's true. You can say you can say Joe Mixon fumbled. Had he not fumbled, the Bengals would have drove down the field and would have scored. Maybe true. But when you put everything together as a sequence, the Bengals completely screwed up the whole first quarter. The whole thing. And after Joe Mixon's fumble, the Bengals did not show resolve. They didn't bounce back. You have to look at the whole picture. And if you look at the whole picture, the Bengals took the L and they didn't have any business being in the game. So it showed a whole lot of fortitude that they fought back the way that they did. But after the fumble is when you have to pick up and you have to go like, look, we were in this game. That's just one bad play. Let's keep it moving. And the Bengals didn't do that because they were so far down in the first place and it took them so much to fight back. The Bengals have to come out with the passion from the from the beginning of the game this is probably the biggest achilles heel for the Bengals. you don't see that fight in the beginning of the game they kind of pick up and progress towards it but in the beginning the the other team just kind of shows a little bit more fight than the Bengals. so and, and i think the Bengals are starting to understand this so you got the 49ers next and it'll be important that the Bengals pick up that win because there aren't a lot of games left, and the Bengals have this stretch of home games, and you gotta you gotta get wins in these home games. I'm rooting for the Bengals to make the playoffs. You already know that. It'll be interesting to see how this affects the team long term. Like the play for the rest of the year, you're really building up for next year because I thought next year was their year. If the Bengals can pick up and win games in a fashion that 
not some lucky type stuff, but if the Bengals can come out and dominate, it, it sets them up for the rest of this year and for next year. And that's what you're looking for. You want this team to get better. You want to see if they can erase the goofy mistakes that they're making because honestly, great teams don't make those mistakes. Great teams catch those passes. Great teams don't fumble in clutch situations. It's the truth. And I, I can be honest enough to say the truth, even if it's my favorite team. If you're a great team, you can't make those mistakes. So we're going to find out the Bengals are good or great in the next couple of weeks. Because as much as you say great teams don't make those mistakes, it happens. But it won't be frequent with the great team. A great team will find a way to fix those mistakes. So we'll see what happens with the Bengals. I I feel a win coming on against the 49ers. The Bengals have been really good at following up bad stretches with really good stretches. And I think we'll see that against the 49ers. And I'm keeping it a buck. If you're a Bengals fan, I don't see how you can like the 49ers. I just don't get it. I don't. I've had Bengals fans say to me, "Hey, you know, you know, my other favorite team is the 49ers. I'm like, how? How do you not know history? Do you do you understand that both of our Super Bowl losses have come to the 49ers in close, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat by the 49ers fashion? Like, come on, man. Yeah, get NFL Network, start watching the Super Bowl classics or something." Develop that hate for the 49ers because it should always be there. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I can't let it go. I, I, I will not let it go. So <laughs> maybe that's just me. I definitely hope not, but I, I, I just, I just don't get it. <laughs> that's me personally. Um, shout out to UC, shout out to the Bearcats for, for doing honestly what I didn't think was possible. They, they made it to the college football playoffs. I sat here on this pod and said that the Bing, the um, Bearcats will find a way to not make it because somebody will play them, play them crooked. And honestly, the, the committee just, they weren't able to. <laughs> Everybody that they would have put over them took an L. And the only team that could hop over them was a team that UC beat. It was the perfect storm for the Bearcats. It, it was absolutely perfect. There was no way they could be denied. They did everything that the CFP said. And on top of that, nobody could leapfrog them. I mean, really, are you really going to have Baylor leapfrog the Bearcats after what you saw from Baylor? You're really putting them in the top four? I'm kind of happy Ohio State didn't make, make it to the college football playoff. I, I don't think that this is a team that would do great in a college football playoff setting. I feel like they're a year away as well. I'm glad they made it to the Rose Bowl. Um, Utah is a very good team. I feel like Ohio State can handle them. But I'm 100% happy for the Bearcats. I mean, as a Cincinnati resident, you, you got to be. Um, it's going to be tough against Alabama because they're Alabama. And for all the hate that people give the Crimson Tide, they run up good teams every single year. They, they do. They're a really good team. The Bearcats are going to have their hands full. But you got to remember, 
the Bearcats aren't new to this. Last year, they went up in the Peach Bowl and almost beat a Georgia team that looks a lot like the Georgia team you see now. So the Bearcats aren't going to be afraid at all. Pressure is going to be on Alabama, but <laughs> Alabama's used to that. I feel like this will be a really good game. I, I feel like it, I feel like it'll be a really good game. I think the point spread is um, Crimson Tide minus fourteen or something like that. I don't know. I think that might be a little bit much. I mean, UC is going to come and play. I think people will be surprised at how good of a team UC is, especially that defense with those corners. I'm, it's tough for me to say that the Bearcats will get it done. But if this game is close in the fourth quarter, watch out for the Bearcats. I, I'll put it like that because I feel like it's going to be a good one. I'm I'm really excited to see it. So good luck, UC. Hey, let's get it done. Uh, you got a Cincy fan talking with LP? We'll be right back. Hi. Hi. I'm Princess and I'm Queen. This is Daddy. You have to say, and this is a Cincy fan talking with LP. And this is a Cincy fan talking with LP Daddy. Nice job. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the pod, y'all. So, we up here talking about the Bengals and talking about their, you know, aggravating lack of consistency at times. And, you know, really thinking about it, that consistency sort of comes with the idea that struggling is a process. It's part of the process. But nobody likes this part of the process. Nobody really likes the struggle part of the process. I I see it in my own kids a lot. Um, I see it in the students I teach. I see it in a lot of the adults I know. Nobody really wants to get things wrong. (laughs) You want to just get it right the first time and you're good. And we see that in the way we treat athletes. We see it in the way we treat each other. But I'm always quick to point this out. There are very few times in life where you get something right the first time, like completely 100% correct. You get it right the first time and then you get it correct every single time. Life just doesn't work that way. There's always a process to it. The process is the struggle. In order to learn, you're going to have to struggle. But nobody likes that part. And I mean, who, who likes to struggle? Who 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 likes to fail and fail and fail until you succeed? Nobody. <laughs> you would much rather get the right answer, write that answer down and move on to the next one. As an athlete, you would much rather just go 16, 17 and no, forget forget the process. I'm winning. But that kind of cheats you out of the process and it really doesn't make you better. And I tell people this all of the time. I tell people this story when they when they ask me like my whole teaching philosophy and my life philosophy. Um, if you heard one of my podcast episodes way back, um, I think it was late last year or something like that. Um, 
I learned all I needed to know about struggling and how to teach a class and stuff like that from one year coaching the basketball team. <laughs> that I learned everything I needed to know, and that's how I kind of came up with this whole struggle motif. So myself and my assistant coach, it was our first year teaching and coaching this school, and we had our plan and we ran with it. We had about 14, 15, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, and we worked as hard as we could with them. We helped them get through tryouts. We helped them get through the season. We were there to push them when they needed it, and it was hard for us. We were working really, really hard as coaches, and we were losing bad. Every corner of the greater Cincinnati area was popping us by like 25, 30. And it was, luckily it was middle school basketball. So it wasn't as hard to get up and, you know, do what you have to do because we're like, they're kids. We just want to keep making sure that we push them as hard as we possibly can to not quit and stuff like that. We ended up going two and 10. Bad season. Uh, it was a <laughs> couple of kids quit. We had two or three kids quit and come back and then quit and then come back. Like it was, <laughs> it, it was one of the wildest stretches ever. So we're, we're chopping it up at the end of the season. We're talking about, you know, what we could do better, where we think it went wrong. And you could just see light bulbs pop up over both of our heads at the exact same time. And we just looked at each other like, I know what happened. And we're like, it's not necessarily that we push the kids too hard or too much, but we looked at that tryout situation. We really looked at what happened. We were like, we helped them get through tryouts. Like we wouldn't even let them quit during the tryouts. And we were like, that really doesn't make sense. <laughs> because the tryouts are where you see what kids are good with struggle and what kids are just going to waste their time and just keep quitting on you. <laughs> and when you're, when you're coaching like middle school, there's not a lot of money in it. You're going to spend a lot of time doing it. Um, a lot of times we were driving kids home because their rides wasn't showing up. So after school, we have the kids and we're coaching them until like, six o'clock and then driving kids home like we're in uber so the situation is already hard and we're making it more difficult by not even finding out if kids really wanted to play i mean come on you're dealing with middle school kids a lot of them might want to play just because they thought some girls were watching or because their parents said they had to play because their father played or is wanted to get out the house. <laughs> so we came up with a completely different strategy for tryouts the next year. We were like, look, here's what's going to happen. We're going to set up whatever we have to do. And after that, don't say anything. If a kid quits, they quit. And we, and we told them, whatever players last through all three days of tryouts, you automatically make the team. Simple as that. We're not looking at skill. We we told them flat out, we're not looking at skill. We're not looking at who can jump the highest or who can shoot the best. We're going to pick the 14 players 
that don't quit. Simple as that. That that was our MO. And we had about 35 kids come out the first day. And we just let them run. <laughs> they ran, then they picked up some balls and did some layups, and then they ran some more. And the second day, we had about 25 kids show up. <laughs> like, man, they're dropping like flies. And the next day, we had about 18 kids show up. And then after the third day, boom, you got 13 kids. That's one less than what we needed. We're like, okay. So we got our 13. That was one of the best coaching years. And not even from like a a record standpoint. It was just one of the easiest coaching years because it felt like we were coaching a lot of kids that one really wanted to do it and and two they were just so receptive to what you're trying to do you ask them to do this they're doing it you say hey big kids big centers and stuff you're going to work on on ball handling drills today because let I me mean, think about it you're dealing with middle schoolers just because they're six one right now you know they're your center doesn't mean they're going to be they're going to shoot up to seven foot four <laughs> they might stay six one the rest of their life and they don't know how to dribble that would be messed up. <laughs> so they didn't ask questions like, how come I'm the center and I got a dribble? Nah, everybody did what they needed to do. It was a great year. We had a great record. And it just felt like we weren't working nearly as hard because we allowed them to struggle in the beginning. We were like, look, here's what you're going to do. Go ahead and do it. I don't want to do it. Okay. <laughs> And it wasn't like we were being mean, but it was more like, who wants to be here? Who wants to do this? We allowed them to struggle and find their own path. And after that year, that completely changed my outlook. And it wasn't like I was just going to say, hey, do what you're supposed to do. Don't talk to me. (laughs) Figure it out. It was more like me allowing a kid to figure out things on their own. And then if they don't know how to do it, they come back to me and say, hey, I don't know how to do this. And then I help. I felt like I was kind of enabling softness in the very beginning. And that's why I kind of come back to the beginning. You can't really call a kid soft until you look at what you're doing. Because if you're just rushing in and saving the situation for somebody, you're not allowing them to figure out things on their own. You can't turn around and call that person soft if you're helping them every single time. That that doesn't make sense. This helped me with my teaching. It, it kind of helped me maneuver a lot of different situations because now, unlike before, I don't automatically rush in and say, here, here's how you do it. I got you covered. Now it's like, did you try this? Did you try this? Okay, try that. Come back to me and let me know how it went. You have to enable people to do stuff on their own because you're not going to be able to do it from all of the time. They have to figure it out. And that's not a mean thing. That's that's more of a I'm giving you the power to figure things out. But and and both me and my buddy, we came up with this kind of together. We're like, you can't really call a generation soft. Because for one, that's kind of what everybody does. (laughs) Everybody says that the people after them were softer than them. That's number one. And number two, are you allowing people to to find the tools to do things? 
because the generation that we're looking at now, they figure out different ways to navigate where they are. I don't think I could be a kid now. <laughs> like, like there, there's no way I could maneuver the way I did as a kid in, 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 in these times. It, it, it wouldn't be possible. I mean, technology wise, I feel like I'd be okay. I mean, I can work the Instagram and the Facebook and the Twitter and all of that. That's not an issue. It's more of the mindset. Kids today have figured out how to approach things that we never really could. I don't really deem that as soft. These kids have figured out ways to master their environment. It's a different environment. And I don't really see how you could call somebody soft when they figured out how to move in their world. They're not meant to move in the world that we lived in because they're not there anymore. So you can't apply the skills that they have now and say, oh, you couldn't have lived back in the day. <laughs> Probably not. Because back in the day was back in the day. So that that's kind of where I'm at with it. And once we kind of figured that whole that whole part out, he let me have it a little bit because he's a Chargers fan. And I'm like, ah, oh, really got to hear this nonsense. I'm like, I said, good win. Nobody want to hear the rest of this. Like, <laughs> like, it's weird. But all in all, allowing kids and allowing people that little piece of time to say, hey, I can try this on my own. And if I can't figure it out, I can come to you. And I know you'll help me instead of just judging me and saying, oh, you can't do that. Oh, man, that's messed up. But us as parents, us as teachers, we can't just automatically be like, okay, y'all know how to do it. Get out the way. I got you. Because it's not realistic. I mean, it just isn't. And it wasn't the way it was done for us. And it wasn't the way it was done for the people before us. We've all had to figure out things on our own. So we need to allow the people after us the privilege to do the same thing and know that we're here if they slip up. So that's where I'm at with it. Um, and we out for this episode. Um, hoping everybody's wrapping up, you know, the the work or whatever and getting ready for the Christmas season because it's about that time, y'all. Um, Santa's knocking. Elf on the Shelf is around here somewhere doing crazy stuff. So I'll figure out where she is. And until then, you got a sense of fan talking with LP. As always, life is good, y'all. Peace out. If you're not ready for the conversation to end, I'm not either. Make sure to catch me on Twitter. That's the Cincy Fan Talking. Leave off the G at the end of it, and we can keep the conversation going. Also, don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button so you can catch the next episodes. The episodes will drop every Tuesday. If there's a change in that, I'll make sure to let you know. Appreciate the support. As always, life is good. Mm-hmm.